What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Dobbert. We're coming at you with another episode. And for the first time in a while, we are talking about a first place Philadelphia Phillies baseball team, something we haven't really been able to talk much about lately. Phillies, uh, really frustrating beginning to this season, but they are on their hottest streak in a long time. So we're going to get into it after a big, big sweep of the Mets in Philadelphia. We're going to have to get into that alumni weekend by the Phillies. And joining me today on the podcast is Nathan Ackerman from Phillies Nation. Nathan, what's going on? How do you, how are you feeling about this Phillies team right now? It's pretty remarkable what they've been able to do over the last week or so. You know, it's this, this last weekend, especially too, it's, they really couldn't have scripted it any better, right? You had the Friday night win, you had the nice Harper moment with the two run Homer in the eighth inning of that game. Then on Saturday, you had the somewhat dicey, very dicey ninth inning that almost made that win more satisfying in a sense. Uh, and then you had Sunday Wheeler going, you know, a Roy Halladay esque performance on the Roy Halladay number of retirement, you know, day, which was, you know, obviously poetic in, in and of itself. And, you know, I feel like people were, 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 were coming into the weekend thinking if they win two out of three, people are going to be feeling pretty good. And they, they surpassed that. It's, they really couldn't have dreamed of anything better than how the whole weekend played out. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think after they won those first two games, I was seeing some, some Phillies fans on Twitter that they kind of, they kind of shifted a little bit. It was, if they win two out of three against the Mets, they can take first place. Uh, People were going to be happy. And then when they won the first two, it's like Wheeler on the mound, they better, they better sweep here. And they were able to do it. A lot of credit to them. They, they really played well against a, a Mets team who started off the year pretty well and they battling injuries. They're, they're struggling as of late and the Phillies really did take advantage and it, it feels like it's at the right time in a sense because Phillies fans uh, obviously have had a lot of they haven't have had many great teams to root for in the last decade or so and this could really be the right time for them to get hot for people to really start buying in because if you think about it the Mets they were in first place in the Phillies beating the Mets they were able to go up two and a half games on them in first place they're two games ahead of the Braves and the combination of the Mets being in town on alumni weekend when they have they're honoring David Montgomery Manny Trio and retiring the number of Roy Halladay the, these were these were really uh, big crowds at this at the at this series and they were really into it in a way that you haven't seen a lot of in the past number of years and just the timing of it all to be able to take over the division with a really packed house, I think that is probably a probably a good thing in terms of getting people on board and building momentum both with the team and with the fan base. Yeah, it it, it honestly feels like there's been a culture and a sort of attitude change within the last week and especially this this uh, weekend. I mean, you know, Phillies fans, like you were saying, have become sort of accustomed to. I don't know, preparing to getting preparing to get heartbroken. And then when it happens, like not being too surprised. And I feel like even now they're somewhat prepared to get let down. But if it happens, I feel like there's going to be some genuine surprise. I feel like people are feeling really good about this team right now. I feel like, you know, even even going into the weekend, people on whether it's Twitter, you know, everywhere, social media, everybody was kind of saying I'm you know, ready to get 
lose two out of three or get swept by the Mets this this uh, weekend and have sort of this, you know, good vibe just sort of come crashing down. And that obviously the opposite of that happened. And it feels like people are genuinely expecting that they're going to go out and play well for the rest of the season, whether it happens or not, you know, we're going to have to see, but um, you know, the, the, the August, September collapses have been a thing the last few years, the last three years, really. Um, And people have become accustomed to that. They've become prepared for that. And I think if it happens again, there would be some surprise. And I don't, I don't, I don't think that, you know, shock factor is something that we're really used to. Yeah, and you can't really blame people for being a little hesitant coming into this series because the Phillies have, it's felt like over the past three years since 2018 when they were kind of in first place for a surprisingly long amount of time, they've had chances to maybe get more momentum or a a big, win a big series that could swing a lot of things and then they they aren't able to do it. Um, Some exceptions that that come to mind are, I guess, that one Met series in 2019. You could think of it as the Bamboo series with Brad Miller that they, I believe they swept the Mets there, but still, other yeah. than that, there were a lot of disappointing series in crucial times. Uh, just after the the Harper walk-off Grand Slam, that, that wasn't able to swing the momentum. Um, and last year, 2020, in a 60-game season, they were able to go on a, a stretch of winning nine games in 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 out of 10 and that wasn't able to swing it enough for them to make the postseason winning you know that that big number of games in such a a small season they weren't able to really to really have that mean anything and winning winning eight in a row here that maybe that's the the shift maybe that's a change in this season and it really sparks a a run here late That'll, like you said, that'll remain to be seen. But I think people are definitely buying in a little more because of the way that they were just able to handle the Mets and actually take over first place, something they haven't been able to do in a long time. Yeah, and you you pretty much nailed it right there at the end. I mean, the thing that's that's different this time than it has been the last few years is they're in first now. They have a two two game lead over the Braves, a two and a half game lead over the Mets as we speak. And, you know, they were sort of coming out of the all-star break baseball reference odds, all these different odds makers had them as the NLE's favorites, despite being, you know, like three, three and a half games out of first, but now they're over 50%. Like they're in the driver's seat here. So it feels like something's changed. It feels like this one's different. Um, I don't know. It's certainly, it's certainly a good start to the late season, um, you know, stretch that has definitely not been so kind to the Phillies the last few years. Definitely. Why, why don't we get into kind of this Met series and each game by game? So they go into Friday. Kyle Gibson, he he's really the one that started this winning streak here last. Uh, I guess it was last Sunday, the final Pirates game. The Phillies just two pretty brutal, kind of embarrassing losses to the Pirates, a team that is not very good. And but he was able to kind of salvage one at the end of the series. He pitched well in this Phillies debut. He takes him out again and he pitches really well. He was able to work around base runners. Uh, he was pretty amped up at times, getting some, getting some big outs. And of course he, he steps in there and he on, on the wall of fame weekend really makes his case for the wall of fame by getting a hit. I Phillies fans, they eat that stuff up like the little moments like that. Kyle Gibson getting an RBI single in that game and, and Harper is able to hit a home run to help 
to help seal the deal there because they bring in what Kennedy ended up giving up a run at the end there. Uh, but yeah. Harper's Homer was able to, he was able to really seal the game and, and give them a big enough lead. That was just a really, really nice win. Gibson, it looks like they, they get him in the trade that they gave up Spencer Howard. They also got Kennedy. That looks like it's going to be an important addition, especially with Eflin out. They don't know when they're going to get him back, but Gibson, Kyle Gibson has looked really good. Their defense is going to need to improve behind Kyle Gibson. He's a ground ball pitcher and it didn't kill them on Friday, but even you just think of Saturday's game, Alec Bohm looked very rough at third base. I think there's a chance when Freddie Galvis is back from his injury that he is playing some third base or you're going to see some Correa's there when Didi is back. He was hit in the elbow in that game. So there's concerns about the defense, but overall that was a, that was a nice win. Uh, and really the, the start of the, of the, the Kyle Gibson wave that I think people are really going to start enjoying him uh, throughout the rest of this season and next season. Cause he's under contract. Yeah, there was a point in the bottom of the fifth inning there in the inning when he got when he got his hit that, you know, he was at 88 pitches. He had pitched well, but I wouldn't say he was dominant to that point. He had sort of worked out of some jams, gotten some timely double plays, things like that. And they had a guy on third with one out. And I was kind of thinking not necessarily he should be pulled here for a pinch hitter, but runs were at a premium in that game. And you were thinking, like, I don't know, it wouldn't be necessarily the worst move to sort of. I don't know, bring somebody in off the bench just to make sure that they get that that uh, run home. And then he, he brings the count to 2-0. And it's like, okay, just take. Don't do anything here. And I think Bryce and uh, Real Muto were talking after the game about how they were like, when he when he swung 2-0, it was, a, it was a pretty clean hit through the left side. They just kind of looked at each other like, wow, it was kind of gutsy of him. And I think, you know, that was sort of the theme. It was a pretty gutsy performance hit from him all around, escaping the – Bases loaded, nobody out jam in the fourth inning, um, you know, worked out of some other jams all throughout the game. It was a, it was a good first impression on the home crowd. That's for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. And then moving into Saturday, Ranger Suarez on the mound who has improved his ERA to below one this season. Doesn't matter. Starter, reliever, long reliever, closer. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. He's been effective this season. It's been really impressive to watch. They're still building his pitch count. I believe he went two and two thirds. They brought in JD hammer uh, and Suarez didn't even give up a hit. I think it was two walks. Um, three. three walks. Yeah. But no, he didn't have his best control, but still effective. Didn't give up any hits, no runs. And they bring in JD hammer who pitched effectively for two and a third innings there which is the longest outing he's had in his major league career, for sure. Not too many in his minor league career that long. So he was, he was a really important pitcher there. And they just, that was kind of a, almost a accidental bullpen game. I'm not going to say accidental, but you, you know, they used more pitchers than uh, a normal game would just because of the limits on Suarez. And until the ninth inning there, it was a, uh, they were effective and they got some, they got some home runs to help the offense. That's been a, theme really that was a theme throughout that series against the Mets there a lot of important homers but but Saturday Oduble Herrera hits the hits the home run to right field in the second deck Brad Miller hits two home runs but then yeah the ninth inning was really where it started to get interesting wasn't it yeah we were we were talking before we started uh recording 
about how <laughs> it kind of was extra deflating for the Mets that they were able to make it interesting in the ninth there, especially doing it with nobody out. I mean, it started off 5-0, and then all of a sudden it's 5-3. And then not too long after that, it's 5-3, one out, and the winning run is up. And it's Pete Alonzo, you know. So, <laughs> But then to have Ian, Ian Kennedy come in and just throw a bunch of elevated fastballs that, you know, you kind of knew they was, he was going to keep on going to it, and it just kept on working. Um, another gutsy outing from him. And yeah, I, I think they, they definitely had a chance to sort of, even if they weren't going to lose the game, which they definitely could have done there. Um, there was a chance that that sort of ninth inning momentum, if nothing else would have sort of carried over into Sunday's game and sort of given the Mets somewhat of a, of a boost It you know, it's, it's easier said than done to have that against Zach Wheeler, but yeah, the way that he, that Ian, Ian Kennedy came in and shut that game down was pretty huge. And I think the reason why they were able to do that was because of JD hammer, as you said, him going 2.1, they didn't have a fully loaded bullpen that game. They didn't want to use Archie, Archie Bradley. They could have used him in the ninth, but they didn't. Um, and you know, Naris Salvarado Kennedy ended up throwing, so they didn't have many other, other options there. And so, you know, with Suarez only being able to go 2.2 innings, he was sort of around the 60 to 70 pitch limit count for that game. And, you know, you're kind of hoping that might be four or five, but it ended up being not even three. And so hammer coming in, being able to sort of lock down the middle innings there was, you know, huge in those middle innings themselves, but also, you know, giving them more options at the back end of the bullpen and ended up paying off. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, that relief performance early, it led into them shutting the Mets out for eight innings, five, nothing lead. They bring in Mauricio Rivera for the ninth inning he gives up three home runs in a row to the Mets, which is, I don't know, pretty rare. I don't, you don't see that very often, but the, just the atmosphere and like the kind of feel like the fans, they were, they were feeling great throughout that game. And then just like, it was almost like the end of the world when they, the Mets hit that third home run, but it almost made it, it almost made it more energetic in the ballpark when Ian Kennedy came in and, and he got those big strikeouts to end the game that, that the close, the closeness of the game and the fact that there was a chance that the Phillies would blow it like they did a lot last year. I think that made them more excited. Like it was, a, it, they were pretty pumped up after that one. And I think that, that, that brought a, a good energy into, in the Sunday's game too. Yeah. And I think it, the fact that Kennedy was on the mound too, I think he allowed at least one Homer or exactly one Homer in three of his first four appearances with the Phillies. So if that had happened again, at the right time, it's a 6-5 game and possibly one of the more um, horrendous losses of the season of the, I don't know, century of the, you know, last however many years. It would have it it been bad, but the way they were able to lock that down was um, there was a lot of dread going around at that at that moment. And they, they were just yeah. building the, the suspense. I think it was maybe planned. To yeah, get the fans sure. into it. I think they. I think that that might have been in the uh, in the works before before it happened. Yeah, we'll Clearly. go with that. <laughs> no, but uh, so like we said, that led into Sunday's game, the Roy Halladay's retirement ceremony, and Zach Wheeler just really the Girardi and he said it himself. It was like it was a Halladay esque performance against the Mets there. Yeah, he was unbelievable. I mean, it was uh, he allowed a leadoff double to start the game. 
Then he retired, I think, the next 22 hitters. I think I think Johnny pointed out that the last time a Phillies pitcher did that was the Holiday Perfect game. He ended up giving up one more hit to uh, Nimmo there in the ninth, but you know that was those were really the only blemishes on his line, and he looked the best that he's looked all season. I think his you know velocity was up. He was throwing. You know, everything seemed like it was 98, 99, even hit 100 a few times, I think, for the first time this season. And, yeah, this is he said there's always going to be a little chip on his you know, there's he's always going to have that little extra, you know, motivation playing against the Mets. And for good reason, especially with what Brody Van Wagenen said upon his departure. So yeah, they, they, they were the team that helped him leverage two good half seasons into a, a uh, over 100 million dollar contract. That is. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And. With the with the with the you know eight game winning streak on the line, the sweep over the Mets on the line on Halliday Day, it was. I mean, we were we were talking about it. It's pretty pretty poetic that he did what he did and against the team that he did it against. So, probably the best performance and in the biggest spot from Zach Wheeler this season. Yeah, and that really just adds a really good potential Cy Young um, Cy Young resume to to his season. I think going into that game, he led he led just about every war statistic, baseball reference, fan graphs, and then warp. Um, he led in innings. He was right at the top in strikeouts. And then he goes out there and gives that, that kind of complete game shutout performance. Uh, and I think sometimes there's a little bit of a narrative-based um, type of situation going into those kind of awards and that kind of performance with, with first place on – um, on the line there, or, you know, going back and forth. I, I think that that sticks into voters' minds and everybody's minds when it when it comes to how people think about Zach Wheeler. Just really one of the one of the better performances over the last few years out of a Phillies pitcher that you can think of. I think maybe Aaron Nola in 2018 against the Nationals got a big strike out of, of Bryce Harper, outdueled Max Scherzer, and just a, a couple others come to mind recently, and, and that has to be up there as one of them. Yeah. And I mean, as far as the Cy Young conversation goes, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of, you know, the sort of trend where, you know, whether it's old school voters, whether it's narratives, things like that, the the individual awards tend to go to the guys on the better teams. You know, I, I just think with how non-individualized of a sport baseball is, um, it should just go to the best performers in each, you know, area, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, all those kinds of things. But the Phillies being in first place and potentially making the playoffs certainly aren't going to hurt his case and they shouldn't hurt his case, of course. So if he keeps pitching the way that he's been pitching, obviously they're going to need, you know, some other guys in the rotation to step up. Um, you know, Nola Eflin needs to come back soon. Uh, still need to figure out what to do in the back end when he does come back. But if he's going to keep on pitching like this and basically give the Phillies, you know, a very good shot at a win every, every fifth day and they can hold on to first place, I don't see really anybody else who I guess there are a few, I guess, you know, all of the Brewers three, you know, monsters at the front of their staff, Kevin uh, Gosman has a case Walker Buehler, but there, there, there are a lot of guys in that field. I think Wheeler would be at the very top as of now. Yeah. The Phillies definitely, like you mentioned, there are still questions in their rotation. Nola has underperformed for a lot of this season. Eflin's hurt. Um, they're probably ideally they have another starter that, Tyler Anderson deal goes through ideally yeah. if you're the Philadelphia Phillies it didn't so they're going to have to figure out what's going to happen there 
Um, when they started Chase Anderson, it wasn't exactly the prettiest. That was against no. the Nationals, and he there was a few there there were a couple 89, 90 mile an hour fastballs hit out of the yard. That's that's what we'll say, and you can't really afford yeah. that in today's Major League Baseball. So there are some questions, but the the thing where it doesn't seem like there are many questions is what you're going to get when Zach Wheeler goes out there and it's been going deep into games and being really effective for almost every single start this year. And it's been, it's been really, really, really impressive to see him transform himself into like Brody Van Wagenen said, somebody with just a couple good half seasons that that was true. He, he had never put it all together before, but to see him put it all together. It's been, it's been quite the sight to see. And it's it's going to help them if they're going to make the playoffs like his pitching is really going to help carry them on, on their way there down the stretch here. Yeah, and especially the way that he did it, too, he was talking after the game about how in the last couple of starts, he's sort of gotten away from that, you know, fastball attack, fastball heavy sort of, you know, approach sort of game plan to different teams. That's why in the last few starts he's been good, but, you know, not maybe the best that we've seen him all year. And the Mets have struggled to hit fastballs this year, especially in recent weeks. So really going back to that plan, I mean, the last pitch of the game was what, 97 to Pete Alonso right on the hands. It was sort of basically what Ian Kennedy did the day before, just four or five miles an hour harder. So that definitely helps um, when he's locating his fastball on both sides of the plate. It's, I mean, there are few pitchers in the game that look better than him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, moving on from Wheeler, uh, another award discussion that we can talk about is Bryce Harper. Really, the the stretch he's been on as of late has been has been pretty dominant. He's not he's been hitting homers as of late. He had what two this series against the Mets, uh, yeah. the first game and then the third game. But overall, he he's missed time, of course, and. His home run totals and his RBI totals aren't, you know, you glance at that and it's not really, you don't think of it, but then you see like his on-base percentage, his slugging and some of his advanced numbers. And Bryce Harper is really putting together a nice season, one of the better of his career. If he didn't miss that time, his counting stats would be, you know, a a lot better, I think. They're not, but even, even so, with missing the time, with no NL player running away, with the MVP, I he, he's going to be in the discussion if he keeps this up. He's and he's been on a tear as of late, and it's at the perfect time for the Phillies. They've had a lot of a lot of guys picking it up at just about the perfect time as of late, really. Yeah, when, when and, they're missing when they're missing starters in the lineup, when Hoskins isn't able to play every day, when Gregorius has been down, when when McCutcheon is on the IL, Harper, and then some of the more role players, you know, Miller comes to mind and Segura continues to hit as, as he's done all season, these, these players getting hot at the right time has been, has been key over this stretch and Harper is right at the top. Yeah. And I mean, going back to the MVP race, obviously it isn't like he's, you know, a front runner for the award just by default. It's like, he's having a great season, but when you, when you look around the league, I mean, who else do you give it to unless Harper were to, were to fall off in the last couple of weeks or, you know, somebody else were to get super hot. I mean, you know, Acuna is out. Tatis might be out for this season. DeGrom, he was having such a, a, you know, amazing year that before he got hurt, he was probably the Cy Young lock and then an MVP favorite too. But you look around the league and a bunch of guys are getting hurt. And it's like all of a sudden the last couple of weeks, Harper's put himself 
toward the top of the OPS, you know, rankings. I think he's like number third in the National League behind Acuna and Tatis, who, as we were saying, have missed time and might be out for the season. I think Tatis might be back before the end of the year. But, you know, at this point, he's missed a couple of weeks. He might miss a few more. So, yeah, I think I think Harper, maybe not just as much as as a wheeler, but he seems to be at the top of that discussion right now. And it seems like the MVP field is almost there aren't as many options as there are for the, for the, for the Cy Young. So yeah, I could, I could definitely see Harper, you know, of course there's still a month and a half, a little bit more left to go, but if, if he were to keep this up or even something close to it, I don't think it's a stretch to say that he's the MVP favorite right now. Yeah. There there's no Shohei Otani or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in the national league this season. That's just not how it's been going. And, And maybe somebody really, maybe Harper, plateaus a little bit or or can't keep this up and somebody really takes away takes it away at the last month or so of the season that that could definitely happen but right now yeah. Harper the trajectory that he's on uh, he's going to give himself a shot if he can keep it up yeah I'm gonna all right I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here how right. would you rank how would you rank these three in order of likelihood Harper wins that wins wins MVP Wheeler wins Cy Young Phillies win the East Oh, like which one is most likely? Yeah. Um. Ooh, that's tough. Harper Harper winning it is the least likely. Okay. And the other two are pretty close to each other. I think. I think the Phillies winning the division is probably the most likely. I would give that like interesting. A, I I would give that like a, at this point I think like a 50 percent chance that they win the division. I'm going to go with like what baseball reference and them are saying and Wheeler winning it is probably, he probably has a, like a 30% chance along with like maybe two other pitchers, something like that. That's yeah. what I would say. Yeah. I would say, I don't know. The East is just really crowded and I guess so is the, the Cy Young race too, yeah. but you know, the Mets are obviously not looking great right now, but the Braves are sort of hanging around there. And, you know, if they were to come in and take two out of three from the Phillies or three out of four, or just keep on playing the way that they have been and the Phillies fall back down to earth, which is going to happen. They're not going to win out. Um, that could definitely be a, be a, you know, tight race till the end. I guess the, the, the longer the Braves hang in there and the, even the longer the Mets hang in there, you know, the more the division is just up for the, up for grabs. But I would, I would say I, I mean, I put you on the spot. I don't even have an answer myself. I would, I would probably give the same order. Maybe, maybe Wheeler winning the Cy Young is first, but like the NL East is close behind. And then probably Harper with around, uh, I don't know, 25, 30, 35% chance to win the MVP. Probably not 35, but somewhere around there. I think that it's probably lower, but I, yeah, I, yeah. I get what you're saying. I think Wheeler and the division are probably similar. They're, yeah. they're close to each other. Yeah. But, yeah, the, the fact that the fact that we're discussing all three of those things is seems like yeah, a, right. a good sign for the Phillies. And if yeah. you think back even a month ago, it's like you wouldn't you couldn't imagine things going that well for the Phillies. Uh, it it's been a really good week and a half or so for the Phillies. Uh, just over yeah. just over a week, it's been it like you said, it's been a really big shift in in the perception and the energy both in the in the in the dugout you can you can see it how amped up they are how how they're how they're speaking right now and and the fan base is definitely energized right now it's been 
it's been pretty incredible to watch that that shift. It's uh it's been pretty it's been pretty drastic here over the last just like I said over a week. Yeah, it just seems like they're having a ton of fun right now. I mean, you know, they were they were, they've been talking all weekend about how the ballpark is going to be electric against the Mets, and it totally was. And then you know you have the Reese Hoskins dugout reactions every time somebody homers. Yeah. They've become sort of a meme on Twitter. So it look it just they all sound like they're having a great time, and it's it's definitely translating. Yeah, most definitely. They they move on from this Met series, standing in first place in the NL East. And they take on the Dodgers, the newly kind of revamped Dodgers, who, of course, have added Max Scherzer and Trey Turner from the Phillies' former division opponent, the Washington Nationals. That team, that team is pretty stacked, and they're still not leading their division because the NL West is pretty good. I, I don't understand it, but the San Francisco Giants, who uh, – all their players you would think peaked in about 2012. They're they're still going at it. And, and they just added Chris Bryant. And that's a that's a great division with some really tough teams. And like I said, one of them's the Dodgers, who the Phillies are going to have to face with a great pitching staff. How are the Phillies going to going to manage that? What do you consider a win in that series? And how can they how can they keep the momentum going after such a such a pivotal series here against the Mets yeah I mean you got to think two out of three would be a successful series I think Tuesday we've got Scherzer versus Nola which you know if we're going based on the seasons that they've had so far probably gives the Dodgers the upper hand Wednesday we've got Price versus Kyle Gibson Gibson's been pitching pretty well Price hasn't been bad but I think you know the Phillies should be feeling pretty good about that one and then Thursday I don't think it's decided yet but yeah, if they if they were to come out and win two out of three, they would. I mean, people already think that they're for real. They've won eight in a row. People are feeling confident about this team. And if they were to go out and do that against the, you know, reigning world champions, I, that'd be that'd be definitely a success. I guess if they were to come out and win and win uh, one out of three, they'd probably still be in first by the end of the week. It wouldn't be a full blown disaster. But I think at this point, the way that they've been playing, the fact that they have a two game lead over you know, first place in the National League East, I think, you know, you should be going for two out of three. And if they were to do that, it'd be pretty encouraging. What do you think the, what what do you think the crowds will be like in that series? It's obviously a midweek series here instead of a weekend, but over the weekend, they had all the crowds were over 30,000 and they were at about 39,000 on Sunday. Are the, are the people going to be showing out like that? During the midweek, I doubt it'll be that high, but I yeah. think they'll still be pretty crowded with some high energy, and I think the the team tends to play off that, at least from what we've seen. Yeah, I don't think they'll be as high as they were over the weekend just because they were playing the Mets. It was, you know, uh, alumni weekend. There were a lot of things going on, and, you know, it was a weekend series, like you said. But, you know, I I, I, I think the way that Phillies fans have worked with attendance over the last over the last few years is like, you know, you need to, you need to, you need to show them something before they want to, you know, dedicate three hours plus, you know, the drive, whatever to, you know, the team. And they've been, they've been doing that right now. They, they're two games. They're in first place by two games. If that doesn't, you know, bring people out, out to the park, if they're waiting for them to like clinch a playoff spot before they start going to the games, um, it doesn't seem like that's the case. Cause I think every game over the weekend drew, drew uh, more and more people. So 
you know, the better they play, the more fans come out. I think they're going to do that again this this week. Obviously, the midweek thing and the fact that it's not the Mets um, makes it a lot tougher. So it probably won't be as high, but people you know, still definitely like higher the than the. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll definitely be higher than the average you know attendance we've seen this season and each of the last few seasons. I think that's pretty much a guarantee. Yeah, definitely. People are starting to get excited, and. I think that's going to continue. I don't. I don't know. They, we've definitely seen this team take some skids, and I'm sure it'll happen eventually. I, I I doubt they're going to win every series for the rest of the season here, but or, or they could. Who really knows? I didn't expect them to win eight games in a row, and they went out and did it. But I would say it's safe to say that this this current high isn't going to continue for the rest of the season. But if they can just keep playing well which i think they're capable of especially as they start to get some players healthy i i think we are going to be in for an interesting end of the season with a real shot at winning the division and and that's the only path because like we said the nl west is too good they're going to have three they're going to have three teams in the playoffs i believe that unless something drastically changes but it looks like they'll have the third division winner and then the two wild card teams and it's going to be up to the Phillies. If, if they're going to do it, they're going to have to win this kind of bruised up and brutal division if they want to make the playoffs for the first time since 2011. And I think that really is start. It, that's a that's an important point for this team right now. And the fans are the fans know it. They know that it's been a long time since the playoffs. And I think the players do, too. And I don't know if they they have as good a shot now as they have they've had in a very long time to, to be the team that, that changes that. Yeah. And the way I've seen the national East for the last, you know, couple of months is that they were, they were never going to sort of stumble upwards into first place. They weren't going to be able to get by with, you know, winning four five, six max out of 10 games, every single, you know, 10 game span and just hope that the Braves and the Mets both collapse and they stumble into first with maybe 83, 84 wins on the season. They were going to have to get hot at some point and they've been, they've been, you know, they've won eight in a row. They're playing really well since the all-star break overall. And I think the formula for them is sort of, you know, take care of their favorable schedule. They play a lot of sub 500 teams, uh, still two more series against the diamondbacks. I think they play the Rockies, the Cubs, uh, the Marlins, a few more times, the nationals uh, for the rest of the, of the year. So definitely need to take care of, of, of those games and then sort of tread water against the good teams like the Dodgers, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily mean play, you know, 600 ball, maybe it doesn't even mean play 500 ball, maybe go 450 in those games against those, you know, better teams. And there aren't that many of them. So, you know, that wouldn't hurt them too much. And then beating the Mets and beating the Braves. And they've been, they've been doing all those things in the last few, few weeks, I guess the, you know, two game sweep to the Yankees wasn't ideal, but that's two games. And it's not like, I don't know, you weren't really going in there expecting them to win both. So the fact that they won none, it's like, you know, you probably should have gone one and one, you go, oh, and two. So what, you know? Um, so yeah, if they can, if, if they can take two out of three from the Dodgers, even one out of three, wouldn't be the end of the world. And then just take care of their, of their, you know, lackluster opponents that they've been, that they will be playing over the next couple of weeks for the end of the season, beat the Mets, beat the Braves. Seems like they have, you know, the, the, the inside track to first playoff appearance in 10 years. The last thing I wanted to touch on here as the Phillies go down the stretch, maybe there's a chance that they get some help internally 
for their bullpen reliever Sir Anthony Dominguez. I think all all people listening to this podcast probably remember that he was one of the one of the breakout players in 2018. He started the year in the minors and he really got put on the fast track to the majors and he emerged in that fireman role back end of the bullpen for the Phillies and pitched really effectively as a breakout as a breakout rookie that that fastball with a lot of a lot of cutting action to it it was really effective and then the next the next season he got hurt he hurt his elbow his UCL and they tried to go without surgery for a while and then that that didn't work and and last year he ultimately ended up getting Tommy John surgery now Sir Anthony Dominguez has began his rehab in the minor leagues with the hopes that there is a chance that he's able to help the Phillies bullpen at some point this season. And who knows if he's ever going to be the same as he was when he, when he first entered the major leagues, but even 70, 80% of that pitcher is probably helpful, at least in the, in the middle relief innings for the Phillies right now. Um, You know, they just did, they did just have a reliever give up three consecutive home runs, the other day in kind of a not exactly a mop-up appearance but in a, in a game that wasn't really close but having somebody with more experience and and the stuff that he used to he used to have be able to take that role is, is probably an upgrade so having Sir Anthony Dominguez come back would be pretty huge for the Phillies if, if he's looking all right he he started on Tuesday with the single a Jersey Shore Blue Claws and he he pitched again on Friday and then again on Sunday. One inning piece and all those. He went, he started each game, but you know, obviously he's a reliever just through one inning. He um he's done there. He he was sitting about 92 to 94 miles an hour on his fastball, and he's finished there with the blue claws. Uh, I've heard that the plan now is is Redding, the double A Redding fight and fills. They come home now. Now the Jersey Shore Blue Claws. They're on the road this upcoming week. Here, Reading comes home, and it kind of lines up that Reading goes goes on the road next week, and then the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs and AAA come home. So you you get like a month of of rehab once you start your stint. That would be three weeks, and it the schedule works out. The Blue Claws Blue Claws are home, then the Fightings are home, and then the Iron Pigs are home. Maybe that is. How it goes each week, he's going to move up a level. I obviously it's going to depend on how he feels and how he progresses and uh, his effectiveness when he's pitching. Maybe there's a, a road bump, uh, there's a bump in the road somewhere along the way. You, you never know with injuries, but he's progressing right now. We're gonna to have to see how he keeps pitching, but that would be a pretty huge addition. Obviously, the velocity isn't quite up to where it used to be but he's still early in the process of throwing into games of throwing an actual game. So like I said, we'll see where it goes, but uh, I think you would agree that if they get anything of what he used to be, that's a huge addition. Yeah. I mean, he's probably not going to be throwing 97, 98, 99, like he, like he once was, you know, he'll be throwing harder than he is now just because his arm will be, you know, built up more, but he's also a guy that doesn't really rely only on sheer velocity. He's got a lot of movement, like you said. So I think if he's throwing, you know, in the 93, 94, 95, topping out at 96 range with that cut on his, on his, on his fastball and the slider to go with that too, that could definitely be, he, he'd definitely be one of the, 
eight best options that the Phillies have. And I guess that's what you're kind of hoping for at, at this point. And, you know, it was, it was kind of weird. I didn't even really think about the possibility of him returning this year until people started talking about it two weeks ago or, or around then. And I was like, yeah, I remember him. He was a stud and he could be, he could be a huge, you know, piece for the, for the back end of the pen. So if he's able to come back fully healthy and whether it's for a couple of weeks or a month or, you know, however long it might be, definitely be a welcome dad for this team. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty much all I have for this episode. You have anything you want to touch on before we wrap it up? I don't think so. I think we covered it all. I think so too. Phillies are in first place. Big series with the Dodgers coming up. We'll talk to you after that. Thank you all for listening.